Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, welcome into All Ball. I'm Doug Gottlieb, your host with the most, and uh, so happy to be with you. Remember to download, to subscribe, and to rate this podcast, as um, what we'll do this time is talk mostly pro hoops. College hoops, so many guys either declaring for the draft with an agent, without an agent. You do have certain players declaring for their schools. Uh, as we saw yesterday with Romeo Langford is going to Indiana. Let me just kind of start there before we get to the pro hoops of the day. Obviously, Romeo Langford staying home is big for Archie Miller. And the, the sense has always been at IU, if you can build a fence around the state, you're going to be able to compete nationally. And you look at all the players that have even now playing collegiately or playing in the pros or played collegiately, they're going to the pros that are from the state, you're like, wow, how did they not go to IU? Now, remember, it's not like IU under Tom Crean didn't have talent. They had a plethora of um, of talented players. I, I don't think he got fired because he wasn't recruiting well, although not recruiting in, as well in state sometimes uh, can unseat you just as much as not recruiting well overall is. I think really... The problem was he went to four NCAA tournaments when he was there for nine years or whatever. That, you know, he only got to the Sweet 16, never got past it. I think there was a general sense they were bumping up into the ceiling, even though they had talented players. And they went out and got Archie, who had as or greater success at a place like Dayton 
And so the even the layman can see, well, if you can do that at Dayton, why can't you do better at IU? And there are questions about Archie, I guess, at IU. I don't know why. I think Archie's tremendous. He's an indefatigable recruiter. And he goes and gets his first big top hunter get in the state of Indiana. And now kind of they're off and running. This could be the, uh, this could be the guy who, who changes them. It really could. Uh, my sense is that you look at the Big Ten and – you know, this was supposed to be a year that Michigan State could win the whole thing. They did not. Couldn't figure out, couldn't make shots against Syracuse's zone. Michigan obviously overachieved, or I think overachieved, but now they're losing Wagner to the NBA draft. Ohio State overachieved, but you know, they're losing Beta Kate's Diop. Iowa was kind of a mess, but I think they'll be better next year. But do I think Iowa is suddenly going to leapfrog everybody else in the league? Probably not. Um you look at some of the other powers in the league. Illinois down, having to completely restructure their roster. Minnesota, massive injuries, but finally recruiting well in state. But, you know, they haven't been able to sustain early season success under Richard Pitino. I, I just kind of, Wisconsin was down. And we'll see what happens if they get their full roster back, which they could have back. Could have back. Could Wisconsin get back to the top of the league? But it's kind of fascinating to see what happens to Indiana because in very short order, they became kind of an afterthought in the league. But I think Archie, you start getting a recruiting, he'll do fine. I like the Archie hire when it was made, and this only some of this is confirmation bias. But getting Romeo Langford confirms to me everything I thought about Archie Miller. His team will play hard. Um, he's a little bit more evolved as an offensive coach than his brother. His teams play hard, you know, and fundamentally sound like his brother. And then it's just a matter of can he get good enough players and can he get the players to stay. So, fascinating. It's also interest, always interesting to me, these top 100 kids, that top 50, top 25 kids that sign. It's like you're, you realize you're getting them for one year. And so sometimes it's better to get the top 100, top 150 kid who's going to stay for the two, the three, the four, maybe even five years than it is that one kid who – but one player can – completely change your momentum in recruiting, especially in a state like Indiana, and completely change the momentum for the fan base. Oh, well, they're really doing something. And while there's a lot of pressure on the kid and the pressure on the program to elevate the kid so he can go to the NBA draft, some of that's a good thing because if the kid has the talent and really buys in, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I, I don't think you can win with all one and dones, But I also think it's really hard to win when you don't have good players. So got to be a mixture of the two. Let's get to the NBA. A couple of spitfire thoughts. Let me start with LeBron James, who statistically has been unbelievable. I, I want people to understand two things. One, some of LeBron's dominance is by design from the other team. Right? You're going against LeBron, and I don't know what the best thing LeBron does. I would say some of it is the fact that when he's a downhill driver, he's almost unguardable. But a good portion of what makes LeBron special is that he's an incredible passer, right? So when you have this type of skill as a scorer and skill as a passer and the size and athleticism that LeBron has and the versatility defensively, pretty great mix. So what you got to do is you got to make, I don't want to say somebody play left-handed, but you want to make somebody only do one thing, right? You either only make them a passer or only make them a scorer. And I think what, what the Pacers found you go back to the Warriors last year found, what other teams have found is, you know, if we just make LeBron score 30, 40, 50 a game, he, he can't do it. He, he won't be able to carry the team in the fourth quarter. 
it's something that uh, as a human being you run out of you run out of gas in the tank. And remember, though he's not nearly the defender he gets credit for, especially anymore. He still will guard multiple positions and is put in position to have to make big plays defensively, blocking shots. He obviously blocked a couple big ones in this series. The point is that go and look at the fourth quarter uh, in Game 7. He only made two buckets. He took a couple jump shots that he wasn't close on. He just looked exhausted out there. So I'm not saying LeBron stinks. Anybody who takes that is just silly when they say that. What I'm saying is, that some of the scoring dominance is by design. You want him to score. You want to guard him single coverage, and you want to make him score 30, 40, 50 points, hoping that he just doesn't have it in the tank in the fourth quarter and that you're close and your go-to scorer can make shots, whereas LeBron cannot. The other part is there is this narrative going that this is the worst roster he's played with since the 08 finals team, and that's just silly. And Kevin Love... And I don't think Kevin Love is a superstar, but he's definitely a star caliber player. Kevin Love's an all-star. Kevin Love's probably a Hall of Famer. So go back and look at 2000, and Kevin Love is in his prime. So you can go and tell me that Kevin Love isn't good, and I would tell you that I think Kevin Love is really good. I think Kevin Love and the rest of this team is put in a position to which LeBron can only really play one way. They can't play ball movement, ball screen, rotate the basketball. They can't play that way at all. They have to play this way. Throw it to LeBron, have some off-the-ball screening action to which he can find shooters when they're open. Otherwise, if you help, if you double-team, he'll pass to your guy. Otherwise, then you just play him straight up and hope he misses. The, the point is that one of the reasons he's scoring so much is because of the design of the defense. The other reason is the design of the offense. And one of the reasons the rest of the team doesn't score very much and doesn't look as effective as maybe they would in other NBA systems. Some of it is the design of the defense and some of it is the design of the offense. I'm fascinated to see what happens with Toronto. Toronto does not have a quality matchup to throw at LeBron James. The teams that do are eventually the Celtics do. Uh, the Celtics have, you know, you, you go to next year, they'll have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, at least those three, maybe a little Al Horford to throw at him. And um, I, the Golden State Warriors, who have Kevin Durant, they have Andre Godala, they have Sean Livingston, uh, they have Draymond Green. They have four guys to which they can throw at him and say, hey, look, we're going to cut everybody else off, and you're going to have to make shots. They have Clay Thompson as well, five guys that can legitimately guard LeBron James. You're not going to stop him, especially in this day and age in the NBA, but you're going to throw him. Look at Toronto, and though they do have arguably the best uh, bench in the NBA, the fact is they don't have a perfect OG uh, boy is, is just a rookie. Like, he's not going to shut down LeBron James. He won't get the, he'll get into foul trouble before that happens. He has the body, but he doesn't have the game yet on offense to, to make LeBron guard him. So I, I still think the Cavs can beat Toronto, but I think Toronto just – and they only have one day off in between all these games. Toronto can, just like Indiana, can wear him out by making him score 40 a night. And that's what he's going to have to do. Going to have to score 40 a night. I wouldn't bet against LeBron because he has a mental game – he has the mental edge over the over the Raptors, but I do think there is the possibility that he just runs out of gas in Toronto because they have a DeMar DeRozan 
who's a more refined player, more refined player than a Victor Oladipo. I do think there's the possibility that, that Toronto, I didn't think they could win this series going back two months ago. Now I think they can. I wouldn't pick them, but I think they can. And then you got out west where, at, as of the recording of this, Steph Curry is going to play tonight. And I think it's, it's, it's very, very interesting. Draymond Green wasn't hitting shots in the regular season, struggled some early on, was better in game one versus the Pelicans. Iguodala's shot a, a much higher number of threes in the postseason, played more minutes in the postseason. You still have Livingston there, and you have some other young pieces. Uh, I'm a little concerned about the Warriors bench in the playoffs, in the in the in the Western Conference Finals against the Rockets. But I'm I'm less concerned if Steph is truly back. If Steph is truly back, and you have Steph, you have KD, and you have Clay. They just need Draymond to make shots to spread that floor out. Iguodala's hit a lot more shots, command a lot more respect. Those are the two guy, only two guys you can help off. I, I'll be fascinated to see how Steph looks, how he plays, if they give him some kind of piecemeal minutes or if they throw him in the they throw him in the fire. He plays 35 tonight. You know that he was ready to play a long time ago, and they were just being extra, extra, extra cautious before they did so. That said, it does feel like collision course with the Rockets, and I do still like the Warriors over the Rockets because the, the Rockets – Though they'll win a game or two because they can just score all that well, I still think they're so beholden to the three-point shot. And they're not, though the stats would tell you they're a little bit better defensively than they actually are, there's some flaws, there's some holes to what they do defensively. I would I would still take the the Warriors, even sight unseen with, with Steph Curry. And then you have the Oklahoma City Thunder. What do you do? I think you got to get rid of Carmelo Anthony, which is easier said than done. Look, you can tell me what you, whatever you want about Phil Jackson and how he mismanaged the New York Knicks. You're probably right. But Phil Jackson, do you remember who he liked most in the NBA draft? He's the rookie who's tearing it up for the Boston Celtics. Like That's who he actually valued above anybody else in the NBA draft. And Phil Jackson wanted to try to get rid of Carmelo Anthony. And you're right if you say, hey, Gottlieb, you're an idiot. First, you're right for that. But second, he... He's the one who gave Mello a no-trade clause. But I think giving Mello a no-trade clause was, I'm going to give you a no-trade clause, but if we ever need to move you, I think we both agree. Time to move you. But I look at Oklahoma City and and the reaction Mello had at the end of the season, which was basically, hey, they used me wrong, and I have more to offer than I was given. No, you don't. Carmelo Anthony is just patently self-unaware. Mello is a Hummer too. Remember those H2s? Big, bulky, cool. When you they kind of, they were kind of cool looking, looked like you were, you know, some like military dude, like a tough guy. Yeah, but the truth is, an H two guzzles too much gas. An H two is doesn't have a third row seats. An H two isn't as off road capable as some would lead you to believe. And H twos are really early twenty thousand, early two thousands sort of vehicles. But everyone else has you either go fuel efficient, or you go the remade. Escalade, the remade Lincoln Navigator, the remade Yukon, the remade Suburban, right, or Infinity. Like, H2 is kind of somewhere in the middle, and it uses more gas and has less room than all of the other SUVs, and it's just kind of not needed. It's just kind of a showpiece that people have now to look like they're some kind of tough guy when really we think they're caught in the t- in 2003. That's what Carmelo Anthony is as a player. All right, great mid-range shooter, great post-up guy, great ball stopper, can't guard any position, that doesn't work in 2018. 
You got to be able to switch out to point guards. You got to be able to guard centers. You got to be able to rebound. You got to be able to shoot threes. All not strengths of who Carmelo Anthony is. So I would try and find a way to get rid of Carmelo. The problem is $28 million, you're probably going to have to buy him out. You just are. And then you have Paul George, who I think, truth be told, enjoyed his experience playing in Oklahoma City. And I think, truth be told, he likes Russell Westbrook, the player. And sometimes it's fun to play with him. But 82 games for five more years, you know, it's 100 games a year. Probably pass on that one. The Thunder could go from three games to one with Kevin Durant. Hell, NBA Finals with Harden, Durant, Russell Westbrook, Ibaka, to Russell Westbrook and yet another new roster. And the question becomes, do they have another coach? If it's me, I double down on Billy Donovan. He now has the NBA and the playoff experience that he didn't have previously. He has sweat equity with Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook is under contract for the foreseeable future. Double down on him. Give him a couple more years. Tell Russell Westbrook, you guys need to work it out, work together, remake this roster. And Russell's going to have to take better shots and play off the ball some. That's the only way you make it work. I could tell you that Jason Tatum's awesome or that Terry Rozier is a surprise. I would also point this out with the Boston Celtics. Not enough people give credit to Al Horford. Not just his efficiency, but his ability to guard multiple positions on defense. Yes, Brad Stevens is amazing. He's a witch. I don't know how he consistently wins now without his top two players. But I will tell you that a good portion of what's allowed the Celtics to be successful was their acquisition of Al Horford, to which people thought they massively overpaid for him. And anybody who watches tape on the NBA is like, you know what? Al Horford's probably worth every penny. Every penny. Don't think the Sixers are dead yet, but I do think this is big boy basketball, and they're going to have to learn the importance of, def- of defending every possession, not giving up so many easy open shots. And I think the Rockets against the Jazz is a perfect sign of what happens, college or pro, when there's an upset before a big game or a big series. Had it been the Thunder, the Jazz were better than the Thunder. All right, they got some calls. Uh, especially in that last game, what looked like a foul and three-point shot. But the Jazz were better in that series than the Thunder. But the Thunder were a tougher matchup and more likely to take some games from the Houston Rockets. This is what happens when there's an upset in an earlier series. Suddenly becomes a complete mismatch in the second round. Factor in Ricky Rubio not playing. And unless he plays, they can't be competitive. And even with him, I don't think they'll be competitive with the Rockets. But let's welcome in a friend of the program, personal friend, Nick Wright. The show, which you should watch every morning, East Coast, 6.30 to 9.30 Eastern Time, 3.30 to 6.30 West Coast Time. Of course, you can DVR. It also replays later on the the, the day. The show is called First Things First. Uh, you can also uh, download the pod as well. He's Nick Wright. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. I, forgive me, I didn't hear your reaction to Baker going number one overall. Was that the right call? I mean, it's it's a gutsier call than I would have been able to make. I I understand if you're going for the guy with the the highest upside of all the quarterbacks. If you're just trying to get the guy who has the best chance to be the very best of all the players, I understand it. I didn't think the Browns had the luxury of making that call. I thought they had to go with the safest call, the guy who had the least chance of flaming out. I think that likely was Sam Darnold. I think Josh Rosen's the guy who's going to end up being the best player out of all of them. So, I mean, I think I would have gone Darnold, maybe Rosen. 
I, I thought Baker, the only guy that I know I wouldn't have taken was Josh Allen. I, I, I mean, I understand what the Browns did, but it also does feel like they had the opportunity to get the very best quarterback and the very best defensive player, and they might have ended up with the second or third best quarterback and the second or third best defensive player in the draft at one and four. Yep, yep, because of the Browns. And look, maybe they're smarter than the rest of us, right? Maybe they know something we do not. Uh, we will see. Time will, in fact, tell. All right, Nick Wright joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. I guess my, my, my question with LeBron is this. I don't know how he keeps it up. I mean, like, I, do I think sometimes guys use press conferences to code messages to the league, to the officials, to the other teams? Sure. But when he said he was exhausted, I believed him. Um, I just I don't know how much you can keep up completely carrying one team through the playoffs. And, Nick, as you know, there's only one day off in between all these games with the Raptors. What are your thoughts on whether or not he can continue at this pace? Well, I mean, they're going to beat the Raptors, and he's going to continue to be absolutely unbelievable, if not unimpressive, to, I don't know, folks such as Doug Gottlieb, who just has to remind the world, but wait, but wait, a lot of these records LeBron has set are because he's played a lot of basketball. Don't forget that part of it, but I digress slightly. I I. I don't think he's going to do what he did in round one, in round two, but I don't think he's going to need to. I think the Raptors are actually, while the Raptors are better than the Pacers, the Raptors are a much better matchup for the Cavs than the Pacers were. We've seen that over the last few years in the regular season and the postseason. I also think Kevin Love doesn't have to be an all-star in the second round, but he's not going to play the worst two weeks of basketball of his career as he just played. He's not going to shoot 33%, and I think you have a pretty good idea who on the team right now you can play and you can't play. Like, Jordan Clarkson does not need to see the court. Rodney Hood can be given a few chances, or a chance, beginning of the second quarter in every game, and if he once again looks like the moment is simply too big for him, then guess what? He can go to the bench. Like, there's only seven, maybe eight guys you really feel like you can trust You'll roll with roll with those guys, but I just I, I think it, I, I, I don't I don't see how that I don't see how that's sustainable. Like, look, I'm with you. I, I there's no reason for me to buy into Toronto. None, none. And I I like DeRozan. Um, I just they, I they have no one who can match up with LeBron. They are the they right. the way in which they're built is flawed for this one guy. And if you don't have anybody can guard the best player in the Eastern Conference and arguably the best player still in the game. Then you have no, you have, you don't have, you're, you're starting, you're starting at the game at a substantial disadvantage, um, as opposed to the Warriors, who they lined up like their whole roster is comprised of guys who can at least try and stay in front of LeBron, right? There's a difference in roster construction. That said, what you're suggesting by going to like seven or eight dudes, I don't, I don't see they, they have older guys as well, and they need to get something out of Rodney Hood. They, they need to get something out of Jordan Clarkson because if nothing else, they're younger. And so they're going to have to chew up some minutes, kind of like a like an innings eater, fourth or fifth starter, right. right? Like, I don't need you to be my ace, but I need you to get some good minutes out of you. Well, listen, I can't trust Jordan Clarkson, and I want to revisit something you said there in a second. But I, I can't listen. Jordan Clarkson's favorite play all year long has been this. To get the ball in the backcourt, dribble 11 times right into a closely guarded, contested 17-foot fall away. Like, He's unplayable. I he is a the he's shockingly bad in the worst spots. 
Rodney Hood, you would like to see something out of him, but the reality is this. Last year with Utah, in 11 games in the postseason, in heavy minutes, 36% from the floor, 24% from three. This year, around those same numbers, the moment's just been too big for him. Like, So you've got to find guys the moment's not too big for them. But you just – and I just the, – the, you're totally correct on this. Nobody has an answer for LeBron, right? Just like nobody has an answer for Kevin Durant. There's certain guys nobody has an answer for. Right. But the Pacers at least – listen, you throw Sad Young at him for 10 minutes. You can throw Boyanovich at him for 10 minutes. It's, it, oddly enough, Lance can actually be a pain in his butt. Like, the, the Raptors have no Nothing. one you can even throw o- at. OG, o- OG maybe for a little bit, but he's a rookie. He's, he's you, a you know, rookie. You, right. you know what's going to happen. He's going to get into foul trouble and sit down, and then they'll throw somebody else at him. Uh, but right. I, I'm still, I'm still con- like, look, I'm just reasonably concerned because what, what, what the Pacers tried to do kind of worked. I mean, like, look, he, he was too tired to make any shots. He made the two layups in the fourth quarter in Game Seven, but the, the but the Pacers were so, the Pacers so inept offensively, it, it didn't matter, right? Yeah, but it, this is, this is, by the way, and this is an argument we got in when we talked about the finals last year. This is one of the odd things. Because folks, when they're trying to poke holes in what is an impenetrable resume, they squint hard enough, they make themselves dizzy, and they go with illogical notes. Like, guess what? Like, when you score 45, the the, the official scorer doesn't care when those points were scored. Like, when you, when, you, when you average 42 in victories, nobody cares that you were better in the first half than the second half because the points all count the same. And so I have two questions for you because that, you, that's absolutely you, by the way that's absolutely not true. Okay, that's that's if you simply go by the numbers then you're accurate. <laughs> if you go based upon anything we've ever judged in sports it's what you do in the fourth quarter, what you do. And and I would actually I actually give LeBron more of a pass than many others would because I I'm respect glad the fact getting a pass. I I respect the fact that Dude, when you got to score 35 in the first three quarters, you two would be tired. The, the most tiring thing you can you can do in basketball is try and score every time down the court. Okay, the second most tiring thing you can do is have to play defense on mul- multiple positions every time down the court. Those are the two things we asked LeBron James to do, but but he's but he he didn't have it in the fourth quarter in several of these games. He didn't have it in the fourth quarter. In the finals last year, when Kevin Durant did, and I think that's that's the game plan. In you have to wear him down because there isn't anybody else who can step up and carry them, and it has to be all LeBron. Doug, you 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 you've been making the case all year. He's not the best player in the world anymore. You said a second ago he's you know maybe arguably the best player in the world. Like you can fold that hand now, right? Why? Like are you? We all get things wrong. I said Cavs in five. I had to fold that hand last year. Like you're off that now. What, 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 why would that be? Like because you witness. Is there hey, Doug? Doug, what, what do you mean? Why would that be? Why? Because you, you, you've been alive the last two weeks, Doug. That's why. I, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't understand. Be, because LeBron is awesome against the Pacers, okay? And Kevin Durant is no. awesome against the Spurs. No, 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 no. You can't use the same word there. You can't use those guys. They, they, you can't. Whatever LeBron was and Kevin Durant were, they weren't the same thing, right? Like Kevin Durant's round one and LeBron's round one were not at all similar. Like Kevin Durant was really, really good the way superstars are. LeBron did something that 
only he and only he in the league right now, and he and one or two other guys in league history could have done this past round. So, like, don't let's not let's come on, be you, you, be be better and more fair than this. Don't act like they were the same in round one because they weren't. Like, it's a nice play on words. You're, you're right. You're right. Kevin Durant won five of. Uh, four of his five games. LeBron won four of his seven games. Okay, like, Doug, this is Doug, like, this, this is, is this what you do. You say, this is what you do. You go. You, you simply go based upon this. You're like, well, based upon the stats, that's cool. Doug, I watched the game. They were both Doug, the best players on the floor. And the difference is, the difference is that Kevin Durant one has to come out because he has a better team, but he also oh. plays more defense because whether one oh. he's got more energy or two he's younger. Like again, like you don't you don't have to agree. My my point is simply, I, I also... So who's the best basketball player alive? I would take Kevin Durant. Oh, no, you wouldn't. You just painted yourself into a corner, and so now you can't say anything else. Why? You can own this one. Why? You don't truly believe that. You don't. Why, why do I not believe that? Doug, if you flip the two players, I'm just curious. Just tell me this. Please tell me. If at the beginning of these playoffs, Durant and LeBron flop, flip-flop teams, are the Warriors worse? No, they're probably the same. They're just the same. Are the Cavs better? They're probably the same. Oh, they're the same. Come on, Doug. Come on. Like, and by the way, if the best you can say is they're the same, yeah, they're, they're, the they're, they're 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 both dominant ball handling superstars. Durant's a better shooter. LeBron James is a has a has a is physically more dominant. Uh, Durant, Durant currently, I would say, better d- d- at defending the rim, whereas you know LeBron James a better re- a better pure rebounder than a ke- than a Kevin Durant is. But I mean, I, I don't. What about passing? And, and I would say LeBron's a better passer. LeBron's a better passer. I think you, Durant you is. You would say that you would you would give him that. Yes. You, you'd give the most. Oh, that that's kind of you. A uh, one guy who is right now a, a above average passer for the NBA. Compared to a guy who is one of the three greatest passers in the history of the NBA, I, I, just, I, I guess my thing is, Nick, I don't understand why every argument has to delve into LeBron. LeBron James is great. I'm more interested in whether or not what he's doing is sustainable and will an inferior team, which all the teams in the Eastern Conference are inferior to a LeBron James-led team. We we in agreement to that? How? Hold on. Hold on. How? Like, this is what well, we the do Boston, every year, The though. Boston Celtics don't have their three best players. Okay, but, but the Philadelphia on, 76ers on, on. have dudes that have Toronto. never played in a playoff game. Oh, they're playing Toronto. This is the Toronto team that just had its best season in franchise history, yep. is fully healthy, won 59 games. That, this team, because this is, it's I also know. the Eastern Conference. You, like, where, where would Toronto be in the Western Conference? Would you hold put on, them ahead of the Rockets? Hold on, hold on. Would, hold on. Would you put them ahead of the Rockets? No, I wouldn't. Would you put them ahead of the Golden State Warriors? No. Um, hold on. Go ahead. Hold on, Doug. Wait a second. Now, yeah, I, I like the, uh, but what else? Oh, wait. The three seed in the West got swept, and the four seed in the West got beat because outside of the Rockets, the Warriors, the West, slightly overrated this year. But that's not the point. I'm talking about them versus the Cavs. Like, yes. This is what we do every year. Oh, my gosh. The, the Cavs could get beat. The Cavs could get beat. The Cavs could get beat. And then when LeBron takes them to the finals, oh, it doesn't count because the East was overrated. Like, we, we, we know how this story gets told. Like, oh, wait, these guys are vulnerable. Atlanta won 60 games. Guys, this is, this is Toronto's year. Guys, look at what Boston and Isaiah Thomas are doing. And then when the Cavs win the conference, it's like, oh, it doesn't count. The East is not very good. The East was overrated. Like, come on, let's be fair here. But the reason that I went back to the question of who's better is because you, you, 
for reasons that I can't quite understand, you do these you, – you put yourself, one of the best basketball minds I know, through these mental gymnastics to justify something that I don't think you fully believe, which is why I made – I took the shot early with, about LeBron playing in all those games. I tweet out just an objective fact, like, hey, here's where LeBron is now in the all-time playoff record book. And he, by the way, for some context of it, that means he has more, for example, assists than Jason Kidd, rebounds than Larry Bird, points and steals than everyone. And, and you write on Twitter, well, actually, Larry Bird played in 164 playoff games and LeBron played in 224. Good talk, Kit Nick, right? Which totally misses the point of longevity matters and availability matters, and you don't get credit for having your career cut short because you couldn't stay healthy. Well, and no, like, well, hold on. There's, there's, a, there's a different part to it. You said they're, they're – what did you say? They're objective stats? It's not objective if you don't give the context of, hey, they used to play three-game first-round series. Hey, they then switch it to, then they they go three, they then they switch it to five game series. There used to be less playoff games. In addition Doug, to the fact that he Doug, didn't take time away, true, it, it, it is true. Like you in, can't. In you, Bird's, they, in they, Bird's they, career, they never played a three game series ever. Like that's okay. What like, are you? What are you yes, they did. They played best of five, Doug. They didn't uh, play three to I, five to seven. Well, it was a three game series when when he when they swept the Chicago Bulls, which again. There's another it was one. Three zero, not two zero. Right, a three. Yeah. Excuse me, a five game series, which you could end in three games. So if you play right, fewer, <laughs> if you play, you play fewer games. Excuse me, I misspoke. Uh, if you play, you play fewer games. You play fewer games, and you play. Yes, longevity does matter. Okay, but that's that's when you become a stat compiler, right? If you say that he has more steals than Pippen, like that sounds really impressive. But if I told you that Scottie Pippen played two hundred and two playoff games, it's a little bit less impressive. What are the average per game? So what, one of the things LeBron is, has been able to do, which I do marvel at, is stay healthy. The problem with staying healthy and being in the league for 15 years and playing on Olympic teams, with the exception of the last one he didn't, but is you're playing a ton of games. And we go back to my very first question, which is, dude, at some point, he's going he's gonna to run out of gas. Do you and think it's going to be this round? No, I think it's against the Sixers. I do, and I don't think, and I don't, I I don't know. I I don't think either. I, I, I don't, I, I started the show saying, I don't think the Sixers have the culture to really be here. I think that's what won last night for the Boston Celtics. It may well win them the series. I don't think any of these teams are particularly good in the East based upon how they're comprised. But I, I do think that I, I think that LeBron healthy. And I also think that people are diminishing the Cavs. You're right. Kevin Love is better than how he played last series. Kevin Love's probably a Hall of Fame player at the end of the day, and he's in his prime. Like, they have pretty good players around. It's not as bad as the 08 team. The 08 team was miraculous to get them to the finals. 07, um, but yeah, oh, oh, I agree with you. So so I, I look at it, and I'm like, look, I think they're still better than all of these teams. But I think that all of these teams are going to make him score 40 a night, and he's going to do it, but he's going to eventually run into gas because that's what happens when you're a human being. Just, just real quick, because this is something people have been doing throughout this postseason, and I would, I'm trying to get as many people on the record as possible. Right now, if you had to pick one team, well, you only get one, one team to come out of the East, I will pick Cleveland. Right now, the one team you would pick to come out of the East is who? Cleveland. It's just like Kansas in the Big 12 or... Or, Wait, uh, hold on, I'm it, so confused. Right. You just said you thought they would get beat by Philly, but you're picking, but Cleveland's your team? Yes. 
because okay. I think Cleveland is I think Cleveland is knows how to win a game seven, knows how to win important games when the 76ers don't. Again, my maybe it's my fear is that LeBron, you can only go back to the well so many times to find this amount of energy. And I just I fear that he loses to an inferior team. But if you make me pick, if I'm going to put my salary on one team, I'm taking LeBron and the Cavs. Oh, okay. It, the only way you'd be more like confident you act, about here's, that. Here's one of the things is you always you act like I think LeBron stinks or that I think no, LeBron's no, a choker. No, I don't. I, I, don't. I, don't. I, just, I, I, I don't think I, he's Jordan. I think he's the closest thing to Jordan we've seen. No, but you he's, don't think he's, he's a Bird. Mix. You don't he, even think he's Bird. No, no, no. I, I think Bird gets diminished because of the back and because of the era in which he played in which Jordan usurped them and Magic kind of usurped him because Magic was probably surrounded by better talent and didn't break down as early even though Magic's career was ended. Those three are the th- three of the Mount Rushmore, and you put but, LeBron up there with them in modern basketball, in my opinion. But here's the thing, man. You can, you, 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 you can say, oh, you act like I hate LeBron. I don't, I don't hate LeBron. I don't act like you hate LeBron. I, I act like, and I am accurate in, you drastically and I think intentionally underrate him. Like you, can, we, you and I can go to Capitol Grill and have a two-and-a-half-hour $500 dinner, and if we walk out of it and I'm like, hey, how was it, man? You're like, you know, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Like, you, you, you can appreciate it and enjoy it while wildly underrating it. When you, when, when, when you like, constantly try to, try to make the – let me try to find the exact words here. When you constantly try to explain how, oh, actually, well, actually, having more steals than anyone in the history of the NBA playoffs – Here's why that's not as impressive as you think. You're and really well, bothered actually, by that. You're really bothered by that. No, I just think it's intellectually dishonest. I don't. Think I think it's intellectually dishonest to, to to list out stats that saying, "Well, maybe he's a better re- that that makes people and not you, but that makes people read it go, well, he's a better rebounder than Bird, better defensively than Pippen, he's better than you know, he's he's better scored than anybody who's been the in the history of the NBA." It's like, yeah, well, he's played more games. That's the that's the Derek Jeter. Like, look at what, like, Derek Jeter See, had more opportunities in playoffs. This is where you do it again. Like, the Derek Jeter. Like, the, okay, man. Like, it's fine. And you're still, you're still, as we sit here on May 1st, 2018, making the argument that someone right now, forget the historic context of it, that Kevin Durant's better than him. You're the only person, you're one of two people I know that publicly make that argument. I'm, I'm shocked you want to do it. Like, it's. It's baffling to me, but more power to you. Like you're, you're you're going with the guy as the best player in the world, who is not. We are not at all certain is the best player on his own team. Like that's fine. Who's, who's I, not certain he's the best? He's he he might get. He'll probably get second in defensive player of the year. No, no, what? Huh? Durant? Yes. Are you, no, because yes. Gobert will be first, yes. and Embiid will be second. Embiid, won't, I don't think Embiid will be second because Embiid okay, didn't, he didn't play. I would say he, he he's. I, I, I would guess he'll be second defensive player of the year, even if you say he's third. But Kevin Durant has taken a massive leap in his, okay. his in how he's valued at the defensive end. He was the better he player did for the, the first two months of the year. I, I think that that narrative got set for a bit and then it fell off slightly. And I think he would tell you the same. And, and by the way, I would I would wager any amount of money you would like that he finishes outside of the top two, and I would wager a significant amount of money he finishes outside of the top three in Defensive Player of the Year. But that's not to – but that's – now I guess I'm parsing I, somewhat. He was very, very good defensively this year. 
He was worse at everything on offense than LeBron. Everything. Yeah, but you, go, so, you, go, I mean, you go by you go by again. Like you live your world based upon stats, and on stats, you think that he's LeBron's a better shooter than Kevin Durant. No, nobody, no, 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 nobody on no. earth thinks that he that, that LeBron think, is. I don't think LeBron's a better shooter than Kevin Durant. I just don't. This is something that uh, that you do that I don't. I don't break down who's like if if I'm asked who's the best shooter in the world, then I'll answer that question. I care about scoring. I care about scoring, so I care about scoring, and I care about efficiency. Like I do not care if you were to say that. Like when we when we evaluate golfers, right? Mm-hmm. If someone were to ask you specifically, who's the best long putter? Like then not the guy with the longest putter, but who can make the longest putt? Then I'll answer that question. But if you want to ask me who's the best at getting the ball in the cup, I don't care if one guy has a bunch of tap ins because his iron play is so good. Like, I don't penalize LeBron because he can get the ball to the rim. And by the way, as, as a three-point shooter this year, he's one of the best he's been. Now, and I said everything offensively. I, I, let, me, let me rephrase that. Kevin Durant is obviously and clearly a better free-throw shooter than LeBron James. And he is a better shooter than LeBron James. But he's not a better scorer than LeBron. I would, I would, that's, fit- that, that's where I would, I, would, I would disagree with you. Now, I think part of that is the construction of the team in which he's in. And and look, we'll ag- agree to to disagree on on that note. Look, I got to run. We will continue this at some point. It won't be a simply LeBron based discussion. You still didn't tell like so. You think he he will hold up despite this load that he's carrying? I think they'll beat the Raptors in five or fewer games. And Sixers, what do you mean? Sixers, Celtics. Uh, you still- listen, they're going to go to the NBA Finals. Okay. They're going to go to the NBA Finals. I think that I, I think that they are drawing nearly drawing dead against Golden State. I think, oddly enough, if it's Houston, they, there are some interesting things they can do against Houston, but they will be an enormous underdog against Golden State or Houston in the finals. We agree. Good stuff. Thanks, Nick. Eric Gordon joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Eric, how are you? Oh, everything's good. How are you doing? I'm, I'm really, really well. Hey, I wanted to ask you quick. This is... And and I'm sure you weren't prepared for this. I'll give you a second because I remember when you committed uh, to playing in college. I remember how big a thing it was. Did you did you see uh, do you see what happened with Romeo Langford committing to Indiana yesterday? How it was kind of a circus and a show. You remember back when you originally committed because you were you were going to Illinois and then you changed your mind and went to Indiana, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah, my situation was a little different, but yeah, I did hear the news from Romeo, and uh, we're definitely excited to see him uh, go there. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see. It seems like a change in Indiana basketball, trying to get it back to getting those in-state guys. Uh, you know, that that's that's the big thing, right? If I you can build a fence and keep everybody in-state at home, you got a chance to beat anybody, isn't it? Oh, no question. They'll be you know a championship caliber team uh, if they just get their the talent in state just to go to IU. And, uh, you know, I can always see some of the kids from Indiana leave, and they are very successful elsewhere. So, uh, for sure, they got to keep the guys in state. When when you guys acquired Chris Paul, what did you what did you what did you honestly think when you guys moved to go get Chris Paul? Well, really, it was really based off our offense. When Chris Paul came, I, I knew it, it was going to work because, He's a playmaker. You know, it's not like you're just bringing in a guy who's just, who's just another scorer. He's, he's a playmaker. He's, he's uh, you know, he's he's naturally a pass-first point guard, and he comes here and uh, plays a little bit more, you know, shooting guard. But 
he it, it, it evolves his game because now he's a more than just a passer. Yeah, but he's also a guy that can dominate the ball, right? Mike D'Antoni, you're the ball mover, a ball stopper. And, you know, everything you guys have done in the past has been off of James Harden. Was there any thought in your mind like, man, I don't know if this is going to work. Two guys that like the ball in their hands in our offense. No, not necessarily because uh, D'Antoni's system is you gotta, you have to make uh, plays a little quicker than normal because we, we play to have the floor, floor so space, so. If you just don't make if you don't make the quick opportunity happen, then uh, then uh, all you're gonna do is just hurt yourself and hurt the team. So it, it, I think it's naturally fitted for for them to really make good playmaking skills really quickly. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about your team's defense. Obviously, numbers are are, are pretty good. Um, how, how has this team evolved defensively from when you first got there to now the unit that we've seen so far in the playoffs? Uh I like our defense. I think our defense has been really feeling our offense. I really feel like we haven't really hit all cylinders on offense uh, throughout this playoff like we did during the season. And uh, But, uh, you know, we switch a lot. Everybody sees that, and uh, we take away a lot of things that uh, other teams do. And uh, I really have been like – I really like how our defense has been this whole this whole playoff. You mentioned your t- your offense hasn't gotten it going. One big reason why is you, you weren't hitting shots. You're not, I'm like, look, you shoot – you know, forty-three percent in the regular season, only thirty-one percent so far in the playoffs. You couldn't make a couldn't make a bucket. What's is there something you're going to change? Something you're going to do? I mean, what what's going on with your jump shot? Well, it's not really what's going on with my jump shot. Is that it's just, uh, teams are just trying to take away a lot. You know, uh, um, the only way I, I I'll be able to get that chance to really get the ball is you know have the ball in my hands, willing to be able to create a little bit more. Because uh, when when I'm in the game, these guys are just not leaving me for three points. So they're just more like denying me and into uh, you know. Uh, so I just kind of figure out ways. But as long as we're winning, that that's the main thing. Because uh, you can't let a lot of stuff get to you. you. You you mentioned that they're hugging up on three point shooters, right? Making you guys try and take tough twos, kind of making James Harden, you know, try and you know beat him by himself. It's a little bit of what the Pacers have tried to do to LeBron, right? Which is you know, take away those threes, take away all the what you do best, and make one guy carry you so that he gets tired in the fourth quarter. Is that a little bit of the game plan? Is there any similarity there between how they're playing LeBron and how people are trying to guard Harden? Well, every team is different, but in this series, that's what it seems like. That's what Utah's doing. You know, they're not letting – they're trying to not force uh, – letting us play uh, a lot of, you know, take a lot of threes. Everything they want is inside to compare. So each series, you know, every, you know, each series is going to be different for everybody. But as long as we, you know, keep continue to win and uh, win at a good, you know, we win at a good, uh, you know, have a good lead on teams, then I'll, I'll, take, that, I'll take that chance any day. Yeah, obviously you guys dominated 110-96. They didn't have Rubio. They, they didn't feel like they were really competitive in that game. You mentioned Gobert. Um, is it? I, I think most people th- talk about how good he is defending at the rim, but I would say it's also that for a guy that big and that long, it's that he can actually cover some out in the perimeter. What makes him such an effective defender? It's hard. It's hard for us, Eric, to see it when we're watching on TV. Other than him blocking shots at the rim, you're trying to go at him. He gets a switch on you. What makes Rudy Gobert such such a great defender? Uh, he's tough when you go into the basket. He's always alternating shots, and uh, he also blocks shots too. But uh, what we want to we want to get him out in that per, out on the perimeter so we could you know 
you know, get a better get a better shot at him as far as, you know, maybe take a three, maybe drive to the basket where someone else can help him as we're driving to the basket. So we always want to create a mismatch. Eric Gordon joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. How much do you pay attention to what the Warriors are doing? Uh, not as much, but, you know, the Warriors, they play the same way all the time. So, uh, you know, they, I don't really see them doing any, anything different. I just mean, do you do you watch the, that Steph's coming back tonight? Do you watch how they're playing? Do you watch those games? Or are you too locked into what you're doing? Oh, no, I'm a fan of the game, so I'm, I'm going to watch other teams. and uh, But I, for sure I'm focusing on what, what we're doing. That's no question. No, I'm, I'm not saying you're not. I'm not saying you're going home and yeah, like, yeah. I'm not paying any attention to this. How much I was what? How much do game plans vary from game one to get like? Because Utah's got to make some sort of adjustment, right? If their plan was to make Harden beat him, well, that plan didn't work. He had forty-one, eight, and seven, and he did so pretty efficiently, seven of twelve from three-point range. How, how much do game plans vary from game to game uh, in the playoffs? Yeah, based on what, what they what we see them do in the first quarter, you know, it's it's either you know our point guards or. Our playmakers are, are either going to score a lot of points and create a lot of assists, or uh, or um, or we're going to sh- get a lot of threes up where they're going to be helping a lot. So it's uh, but every game that we have played them so far against uh against Utah, they've always tried to take away our threes. So you know they uh, they pretty I'm pretty sure they might stick to what they're doing. Yeah. So do you take a step back even further to space it out even you know even more so? Like if they're going to hug up on you, don't you just continue to, to space and almost get higher out in the floor and it becomes even more open inside the lane? Well, sometimes. Well, some yeah, we're going to keep the floor, floor space. That's no question. But, uh, you know, it doesn't – even if I take a, a step back, they're they're still going to stay with, stick with me. So they're just creating one-on-one situations with Gobert at the rim where our, where our guards are going downhill. Eric Gordon joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Isn't it fascinating how much basketball has changed since, like, you were coming up, right? Remember, like, you're coming out of high school in Indianapolis. And right. even back then, people were like, man, you got to go on one-on-one mid-range game, mid-range game, right? You got to move without the basketball. Yeah, you guys do move without the basketball, but a lot of it is just pace and space. You know, find your spots. You know, re- uh, relocate based upon penetration, and everything is at the rim. Like it's it's kind of crazy that when you were a kid, I'm sure people were like, don't get outside that three-point line, get in there and show a mid-range pull-up, and now that's considered the worst shot in basketball. Yeah, for sure, because everybody's getting taller and longer, so that two point shot is uh, it's it's easier. It's an easier contested shot now. It seems like so. Uh, the, the best way to go is uh, you know be able to knock down threes and be able to take it to the pa- basket. And, and as you can see, everybody's going to have to have the complete package uh, here here soon. Where I mean, one through five, you're going to you're going to see centers that are tall and lanky and that are that'll bring the ball maybe down the floor or, you know, guys like Jonas or Durant, you're going to just see a whole bunch more guys that size handling the ball and even guarding guards sometimes. So it's, you got to have the complete package now. Who's a tougher cover LeBron or Kevin Durant for you personally? <laughs> Both of them are different, but, um, how so? Because Durant, because Durant is tall and he can shoot too, so I, it's it's tough. And LeBron's stronger; he's going to use his power, and, and and he has size on a lot of people too. So I don't know; it's tough. But if you if I had to, uh, Durant is very tough. Yeah, he's got he's got he's got a greater kind of arsenal of of scoring scoring options, whereas LeBron LeBron can score, but also he, a little bit more of a passer, right? I mean, 
And and LeBron, yeah, yeah, LeBron will no LeBron will also settle sometimes. He'll just get tired and settle for a jump shot, which you kind of feel like you won. Even when it goes in, you feel like you kind of won, as opposed to when Durant shoots, you feel like you you didn't win. And sometimes you can be there with Durant. And he just jumps up and shoots over you because he's so tall. Exactly. Now that's he's almost he's like seven feet tall, and he just shoots over you at will. So it's it's tough. Eric Gordon joining us. Do you guys want to you want to be considered the favorite or the underdog in the series against the Warriors? Well, um, I don't see really see how we can be the favorites because you know the Warriors they've been to the finals three or four times in a row, and uh, but uh, I would like to you know have our chance at them next series if we if it's you know if, if we could just continue to, to play well, I would love it. And uh, you know, to me, there's just no way that you can have us as uh, the favorites, but um, we'll see what happens. Uh, Utah, the toughest place to play in the league. It's one of them. That's, I definitely would say that's always been one of the toughest places. All right, watch out for guys with their cell phones trying to capture all the different images and shove them in your face. We, <laughs> we, we know Russ is not a fan, not a fan at all of that. Uh, EJ, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you being our guest. Best of luck against the Jazz. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it. All right, Eric Gordon joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Let's talk some NBA hoop. Chris Broussard joins us. He's an NBA insider for Fox Sports 1. You can hear him on Fox Sports Radio on the weekends. He has a great show, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern time with Rob Parker. Chris, here's what I said about the Celtics and the 76ers, and and you can feel free, as you always are free, to disagree with me if if you'd like. Um, They both have reloaded, rebuilt, remade themselves, but in different ways, much like one has... Um, has redone a house, the other one scraped it and started all over. And what happens when you rebuild a house is you still have the character of the house. And I bring that up because what the Celtics did was they tried to establish a winning culture first and then slowly acquired players through the draft and then eventually via free agency and trades uh, to have, you know, NBA all-star level talent. Whereas yeah. the 76ers, they were, they were trying to lose games so you couldn't really establish any sort of culture. And they got the players first, and now we're trying to establish uh, culture on the fly. And that's why, this, the, though the Celtics don't currently have their top three players, they're still probably a better team because they, they have a better culture that's ingrained in them over several years. Fair? Wow. Uh, you said a lot. But, yeah, I, I think a lot of it makes sense. That's why, you know, when you talk to executives around the league about tanking, what the word that you hear is just what you use, culture. And a lot of teams just don't want to bring that quote-unquote culture into their building. They don't want a losing culture where we everybody knows we're trying to lose. And to be honest, players don't even want to – like when Philly was doing that, free agents didn't want to go there. You know, Jaleel Okafor, now granted, he didn't turn out to be a very good player, but he didn't want to be drafted by the Sixers because – of that losing culture. So what you say is, is definitely correct on, on many levels. Uh, I still think Philadelphia can get out of it. Um, I think the players that they have, now granted, Embiid was there for it. Um, Simmons really wasn't. Uh, Dario Sarge was there for some of it, but he was, you know, both of those guys, Embiid and Sarge, uh, or Embiid was hurt. Um, you know, Bellinelli, Ilya Sova, Reddick, they weren't there for it. 
Uh, Brett Brown was, but I think he's proven to be a good, solid coach. I don't think this is going to hold them back. I just think Boston has – Brad Stevens is phenomenal. And, look, I think they'd be certainly better with Kyrie Irving, no question. But I, I'm not sure how much better. Like, I think it's almost that, like that guy can just put in whoever he has and they're incredibly productive. I'm picking Philadelphia to win the series. But I would not be shocked or surprised in the least bit if Boston wins it because they just play so hard, they execute well, they play smart, and they do have some talented athletes. They don't really have stars um, yet, but they they have enough talent to make it work in a weak Eastern Conference. Uh, Okay, help me out here. Uh, I actually believe LeBron James when he said he was tired. Did you? Uh, I think he was speaking in the moment. Like, he was tired that moment. He was tired. You know, he wanted to go home and get some rest. I don't believe he was saying uh, that he's, you know, he's really not going to be at his best in this Raptor series. Look, I think LeBron sometimes does like to ratchet up the degree of difficulty, you know, and make it seem like he's going over an even bigger obstacle than he is. So I, I expect him to be fine. I don't really think fatigue is going to really be a factor in this series. That's interesting because I, I do. Um, I, look, I think that th- there's no good matchup that the Raptors have to guard him. They just don't. And ultimately that becomes their undoing. But if you look at the Pacers, like the, the game plan is pretty pretty simple. They want to single cover him, make LeBron score as much as he could by himself, make him really work to get his own shot and not let him – facilitate, hoping that in the fourth quarter he'd run out of gas, and many times that worked. They just didn't have enough offense on their end. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. The Pacers couldn't produce a lot of offense. Um, They did do a good job. You know, Steven Jackson's up here this week at Fox, and we've been on some shows together, and he he did not like the Pacers' strategy. He thought that they should have doubled LeBron, got the ball out of his hands, and made everybody else beat you. And obviously those guys didn't produce. But I, I, I think that's easier said than done. I mean, LeBron's always gotten his throughout his 15-year career. So he's going to put 30-something on you regardless of how you defend him. Um, but to your point, even if you don't like, didn't like the defensive strategy, that wasn't the problem for the Pacers. The problem was that they couldn't score. Now, Toronto is a team that can score. And they are a better defensive team than Indiana. So, on paper, there are a lot of reasons to like the Raptors. But I just don't think that their stars are close enough to LeBron James where they're going to be able to beat him. I think I think the Cavs are going to win it in six. I think they will have as little uh, less trouble with the Raptors than they had with the Pacers. Chris Broussard joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. That's interesting. I, I, I think they're, it's a bad matchup for the Raptors. I just think ultimately LeBron gets worn down. Um, so you, you, you picking? No. Are you picking the Raptors? No. I, I think, I think there's a chance he loses, maybe to the Sixers in the next series. Even though I, I think if, 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 uh, if all things were equal, they would beat the Sixers. You know, they'd beat the Sixers four times in seven. I just think ultimately he. Even though the Sixers aren't as good, um, and they don't have the experience, you think he'll be worn down. Yeah, by I like yeah, he went. Not, he went seven yeah. games. Then you're gonna go. You're gonna go six in this thing. Like I, the Raptors are gonna beat him once or twice. Yeah, 
And, you know, I, I feel like the Sixers have beat them a couple of times. And, look, if you watch game seven, fourth quarter, you didn't have much juice in the tank. No, I look, you make a good point, And there are going to be times where he has to defend the best player, you know, um, and that's going to wear him down. It not, I, I don't think it'll bite him this series, but I do agree with you that over the course of these playoffs, it could become a factor. Like maybe it happens in the conference finals. Um, you know, when he had to carry this load when his first stint in Cleveland, you know, he was a lot younger and he had a lot more energy. And for him to do this at this stage in his, his career, even though he plays smarter and probably – can salvage some energy a lot better than he used to. Yeah, I can see it taking a toll. That's why it is imperative that first Kevin Love, I mean, he's got to step up and play much better. Uh, And then I know their hope is just that some of these young kids, and none of them have done it, Clarkson, Hood, they have looked far worse in the playoffs than they did in the regular season. And they're going to have to have those guys step up and play better if they want to get to the conference, to the uh, finals. It's interesting because when that trade was made, the first couple games, everybody said how much better they are. And was like, look, they, these guys haven't played in real basketball games. It's completely differently, completely different. And some of that's been exposed that they haven't played in real important basketball games. And everything they do gets micromanaged. The minutes get tighter and people have you scouted better. The game is more physical. And yeah. And they've been exposed as being immature in the in the landscape of playoff basketball. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they, they were fine in the regular season, even though they had their, their poor moments as a team with the new guys. But let's look at it. Larry Nance Jr., who he has, he's been okay for what he does. Clarkson, they're coming off the bench for a bad Western Conference team. You know, Rodney Hood, the reason Utah let him go because he's so up and down. And, you know, those are the guys that were going to supposed to ride in with the Calvary and save the Cavs. Um, I thought theoretically it could work because they had a lot more energy and youth and athleticism. So they, were, so they should have been able to be better defenders. But to your point, it's telling. I mean, look at what T. Lou went with in Game 7. He went with the guys that had been there. Even though J.R. is, I mean, he's the biggest seesaw in the league in terms of consistency. Uh, but that's who Ty Lue went with, and it got it done for him. Uh, you know, I expected to work this series as well, but the next one, to your point, is where it could haunt him. But, look, I think Boston, it could be Boston that they're facing in the conference finals. Uh, if they play Boston Conference, I, I couldn't. I mean, that would be an all-time upset if Boston beats them with that roster. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great, like, they to me, they just don't have enough talent without Kyrie, um, and maybe even without Hayward, too, to beat LeBron. Because uh, he's not only talented, but smart. Uh, okay. Simmons and Embiid are smart, but maybe not smart enough at this stage of their career. A couple of quick ones. Steph is going to play tonight. They say no minutes restriction. Are they going to start him? I, I think they'll start him. You know, you bring back a player like that, you usually start him. Um, I think it's good. If, if the doctors have said – that, look, he's as ready in game two as he's going to be for game three. I'd play him because, you know, this. look, I know he's going to fit in swimmingly, uh, seamlessly. It's not going to really be a problem, but there still is an adjustment period. I don't care who the player is and what the system is. And if I'm going to say I don't want to be adjusted against Houston, 
I want to get through those adjustments, that, that assimilation again for the next three or four games, whatever it takes to get rid of New Orleans. And then we're rolling on all cylinders when we face Houston in the conference finals. Yep, I, I tend to agree with you on that one. Um, any Have you heard anything early on what the, what the Thunder are going to try and do? Well, I mean, I think George is out of there. I think if I'm the Thunder, I think Carmelo Anthony's comments were a blessing in disguise. And I would have met with him last night and been like, look, we want you to come off the bench. And just hope that he says, well, I'm going to opt out. Because, I mean, Melo, first ballot Hall of Famer in my opinion. But at this stage of his career, he's got to realize what he is and what he is not. And uh, there is no way he's getting that type of money on the market, open market. Um, And there's nowhere he's going to go to play the old role that he used to play as the old Melo. So where is he going? So I don't think he's going to opt out. I think he put his foot in his mouth and he's going to look bad because he's going to opt into that deal. Now he'll try to get a buyout, maybe he gets that. But, you know, look, OKC is in a different place now. And they're not going to win a championship. They're not going to compete for a championship for the foreseeable future. They've got one superb player who is a, you know, a great spectacular show, and they're going to sell out the arenas because people are going to want to see him. They feel he's been loyal to that city, and they can hope to make the playoffs every year. But that's really where they're at now. Like, the building around him, I think there's two ways to build around Westbrook. One, you just get a a super-duper star like Kevin Durant, and maybe you've got enough talent to win a championship. They came close even though they didn't do it. Or you build around him like Allen Iverson like they did in Philly uh, with the grinders, 3 and D guys for today's game. But you need a superior coach to do that. Uh, and I don't know that that could win in today's NBA anyway, but I don't think Billy Donovan's the coach for that. And, you know, that's a lot of rebuilding. So I think that's – I think they'll go that latter route um, – when when George leaves and if Melo is bought out or whatever, uh, they'll put grinders and three and D guys around him. But unless they get rid of Donovan, I don't think Donovan will be able to maximize that type of team. Yeah, the, the only only other thing to do is to be to double down on Donovan and let him coach coach because I feel like he's not coaching Westbrook, uh, whether it's out of fear or whatever. But like, you know, so you feel like if the fr- see, I agree with you. He's not now. Scotty Brooks didn't either. Um, I don't know who will. Uh, I don't think I don't think it's that the front office or somebody is saying Donovan can't like you don't touch Westbrook. I just don't know that he has the. I don't want to question his heart, but I just don't think he's gonna say anything to Westbrook. Uh, there's a Kawhi Leonard story out there. ESPN has it. Um, I I read into it, and it doesn't feel like the Spurs have any problem with Kawhi. It's more the people around Kawhi. What's it like that he returns to San Antonio? If they offer their their best shot is offering him that super max right away, because I'm told he, it's not like he's dying to get out of San Antonio. Kawhi is baffled and bothered by the fact that the Spurs have you know he they're like we've never seen them go at a player like this. You know the comments about his group, uh, Tony Parker. Um, you know, it, some people think Manu, um, you know, the anonymous 
sources and stories talking about tension. Because Kawhi's camp is like, wait a minute, we've been fully uh, transparent with the Spurs. They knew we were getting a second opinion. They were on board with it. They knew Ka- Kawhi was going to be in New York working it out. They were on board with it. They sent trainers to New York to work out with him. They were on board with that. When we're with them, they're fine. But when we, you know, then we see these stories or we see these comments and we're saying, what's going on? There's a bit of, like, disingenuousness there that Kawhi's camp feel like they, they see. And there will have to be some smoothing over. Uh, it can be done, but it better be done with the Supermax offer. If it's not done with a Supermax offer, then I think it's going to be tough for uh, San Antonio to make it work. But I believe, and from just from talking to people close to this situation, that Kawhi will give them a chance. Um, if they come with the right money and, you know, if if they say the right things. But he's a bit bothered by the way things have happened because he feels like they've taken shots at him when he's hurt, and he never saw them do that with any other players. Great stuff from Chris Broussard. Check him out this Sunday, 6 to 9 Eastern time with Rob Parker. And, of course, check out all his work on Fox Sports 1. CB, thanks for joining us, man. All right, Doug. That's the latest version of All Ball. Don't forget to download Subscribe and rate our podcast. I'm Doug Gottlieb. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places.